That's awesome. Great job, girls. Y'all did such a fantastic job. We need to have y'all come lead worship on a Sunday morning. We need to put that down, Brother Tim. Let's book them. Amen. All right. Now, uh, we are going to be in the book of Joshua chapter number 7. Joshua chapter number 7. Let me rearrange some furniture. I like to move around, y'all. The cameraman doesn't like me. Sorry, Brother Ryan. Um, We're going to be in Joshua chapter number 7 tonight. That's where we're going to be. And uh, if you are uh, a kid tonight, I'm going to invite you guys to come and sit right over here with Mr. Joe. If you're a kid, come sit up with Mr. Joe because I need your help with some things tonight. I need your help. So all the kids, you guys come sit up here because I'm going to need you guys to help me with a couple of things. And uh, we're going we're gonna to do some things together. And uh, if we got to spread them out and move into that second row, that's fine. We can do that. And when you get to your seats, here's what I want you to do. Okay? I want you to do your very best for the next few minutes to sit up straight. Okay? To sit up straight. To listen well. To pay attention. And to stay in your seat. Because Brother John is not above bribery. And he brought a quiet seat prize tonight. So I am going to be looking for the two kids who pay the closest attention. And you're going to walk away with an extra prize tonight. No, I said kids, Brother Zach. Kids. Okay. All right. So sit up. These are the qualifiers. Sit up straight. Stay in your seat. Pay attention. Now, uh, we are in Joshua chapter number 7. It's going to be a lot more productive evening if I actually get there myself. Joshua chapter number 7. There we go. All right. So... Um, Israel, the nation of Israel, they had just come away from one of the greatest, most memorable miracles that they had ever witnessed. Finally, after 40 years of wandering in the desert, wandering in the wilderness, uh, they had crossed over the Jordan on dry ground. They'd entered into the promised land. They'd been longing for this. They'd been praying for this. And they had just conquered their first city, Uh, Jericho. Jericho was an impenetrable fortress of legend. It was surrounded by these massive, huge, thick walls, the city of Jericho. So uh, God sent the, the army of Israel. He had sent them to march against Jericho with a secret weapon. Because if, if you're an army of people that has been wandering the wilderness for 40 years, you really don't have a lot of weaponry and things like that. Uh, you weren't very well equipped. So God sent them against Jericho with a secret weapon because, I mean, th- this was the city of Jericho. They were unbeatable. Now, what would strike fear in the hearts of a fearless and unbeatable enemy? What kind of weapon would God give the nation of Israel, what kind of weapon would you choose? Now, if it was me, I would have given the nation of Israel one of these bad boys and given them a lightsaber. But God didn't do that. There we go. Now, that would have been cool. An army of Israelites walking against Jericho with lightsabers. But God didn't do that. Now, he could have given them swords, now, these, these would have actually been very popular back in those days. 
And you men know what this is. This is a Machaira sword. So God could have given them all a sword to march against Jericho. Then at least they would have had some weapons. You know what I'm saying? Could have given them a sword. God didn't give them a sword either. God could have given them all a bow. That way they wouldn't have had to get close. They could have shot over the wall. They could have just kind of reared back and let it fly. Then they could have just walked into the city because they had shot everybody, killed them all. That's not what God gave them. You know what God gave them? To strike fear in the hearts of this unbeatable enemy. You know what God gave them? (laughs) Trumpets. He gave them trumpets. This is the weapon that God gave the nation of Israel to march against Jericho. To strike fear in the hearts of their enemies. Are you scared yet? That's scary stuff, y'all. But God brought down the walls of Jericho with this. Nothing but the sound of trumpets. And when they won, when the nation of Israel won that battle, they would know. They would know that God won that battle and not them. They would know it had to be God. Their next destination was a very small, very insignificant, unguarded city. This battle was going to be a piece of cake. It was the city of Ai. I want you guys to remember that, okay? The city of A-I. It's literally spelled A-I. Can you do that with me? The city of A-I. It's kind of like the YMCA song. Oh, we can't do that here. A-I. Come on, you, the adults can get involved too. Come on, do this with me. The city of A-I. All right, now you're going to remember it, all right? So they were marching against the city of A-I. Now, What Joshua didn't know was that there was a thief among the Israelites. Okay, Joshua chapter 7, verse number 1. Follow along with me here. Joshua 7, verse 1. But the children of Israel committed a trespass in the accursed thing. For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed thing. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel. Now, do you know what happened to Achan? Does anybody know what happened to Achan after this? Okay, I'll tell you. Verse 25 and 26. And Joshua said, Why hast thou troubled us? Joshua is actually talking to Achan. Why hast thou troubled us? The Lord shall trouble thee this day. And all Israel stoned him with stones. And burned them with fire after they had stoned them with stones. And they raised over him a great heap of stones until this day. So the Lord turned from the fierceness of his anger. Wherefore, the name of that place was called the Valley of Achor. Not Acorn. Achor. The Valley of Achor unto this day. Now, I'm going to give you your first blank on your paper if you're taking your notes tonight. Don't forget to take your notes or color your sheet because we've got a good prize for you guys tonight. The first blank is Achan's 
deception. Achan's deception. Okay? If you don't know how to spell that, it's up on the screen for you. Achan's deception. That was the name of the man that, that stole something. That was the thief. Okay? So there was this man named Achan. He was in the, in the nation of Israel. And Achan, he was a member of Israel's army. He took something that didn't belong to him. He took something that was supposed to belong to God. Achan, the Bible says right there in that verse, Achan took, Achan took, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel. Achan took, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel. Guys, there's two really important lessons that we learn just from that verse. First, your sin affects those around you. It doesn't just affect us. When we do something wrong, when we do something bad, when we commit a sin, it affects those around us as well. The second thing that we learn is that we will all be held accountable for our influence. We will all be held accountable for our influence. Let me explain that. In verse number 21, we're told that Achan hid the items that he had stolen. Achan hid the items that he had stolen. So, let's just imagine that Achan stole a rubber duck. Um, could, can I have one of you guys hold, hide this for me? Here. You hang on to that. You be Achan tonight. Not really. Okay. So, she, she is going to hide the treasure that was stolen. Now, Joshua didn't know about Achan's sin. Israel didn't know about Achan's sin. And Satan would love to convince us that if we just cover up our sins and keep them hidden, it will somehow just disappear. It'll, it'll be okay as long as no one finds out about it. So let me ask you guys a question. Does God know about our sin? Is our sin okay as long as nobody finds out about it? No, it's not. Because God knows about our sin. Sin now listen very carefully to what I'm about to say. Sin always affects those around us. It always affects those around us. So it would be like if, if she stole something, then you all get in trouble. You see how that works? It's not, it's not very fun, is it? But sin always affects those around us. See, as God's people... We, church, we, we're supposed to be doing life together. Philippians 1.27, the Bible says, Let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. Paul says that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs. Listen to how he puts this. That ye stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. We're supposed to be doing life together because we are now the people of God. We're all one family now. In other words, when we succeed, we do it together. But when one of us falls, when one of us fails, then we all own a piece of that. That's why it's so important that we lift each other up. That we hold each other accountable, that we protect each other. 
And that when one person falls, we don't kick them while they're down. We restore such an one. Because when one fails, we all own a piece of it. Achan sinned, but all of Israel was defeated in that battle. You ever think about that? It wasn't just Achan that paid the price for that. We ought to look out for one another. Let me give you your second blank tonight, guys. Let me give you your second blank. Number two, Israel's defeat. Israel's defeat. And again, if you don't know how to spell that, it's up on the screen for you. Israel's defeat. So if we go back to our Bibles and we pick up there in Joshua chapter 7, verse number 2. The Bible says, And Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is beside Beth Haven on the east side of Bethel, and spake unto them, saying, Go up and view the country. And the men went up and viewed Ai. And they returned to Joshua and said unto him, Let not all the people go up, but let about two or three thousand men go up and smite Ai. Make not all the people to labor thither, for they are but few. So there went up thither about 3,000 men. And they fled before the men of Ai. So Joshua, Joshua sent out spies. Now, this is the same army who defeated the mighty Jericho with trumpets. Same army. They were just defeated by tiny, insignificant AI. The spies went, they checked out AI, they came back and they said, Joshua, this is going to be a piece of cake. Send two or three thousand guys. This is going to be over in about 15 minutes. You know, Joshua was once a spy. You remember that? Joshua was once once sent to spy out the promised land. How many of you guys know what a spy is? You know what a spy is? Can somebody tell me what a spy is? Tell me what a spy is. Yeah, somebody who sneaks around and sneaks up on people. That's exactly what it is. So Joshua sent these guys to sneak around and check out AI and see how many soldiers they had, how strong they were. And they came back and said, we can take them, just send a small army. But this time, Israel wasn't just defeated. They were embarrassed. I mean, it was bad. So what does Joshua do? Joshua then begins to pray and consult God in verse 7. Now, let me ask you this question. What verse does Joshua consult God before going into battle with Ai? Does anybody know? Does anybody know what verse that is? Because I, I don't see it in my Bible. You know what? I, I actually don't think it's there. See, the answer is he doesn't. Joshua doesn't pray and consult God before he goes into the battle of Ai. He's coming out of this high from defeating Jericho, and Ai is just a small thing. We can handle this one, God. We got it. This is an easy one. Now, Joshua did pray about Ai. He really did. He just prayed a little too late. 
It was a little too late. Let me ask you guys a question. Why do we wait until we're in trouble before we pray? Why do we wait till we're in trouble to pray? Let me ask you guys. When should we pray? Yes, ma'am. After? Anybody else? What else? When should we pray? Yes, ma'am. Miss Bristol. Before? Good answer. Anybody else? When should we pray? Is there a, is there a time we shouldn't pray? No. Should we pray today? Should we pray this morning? Should we pray before we eat? Should we pray before we get in trouble? Yeah. All good answers. All good answers, guys. Y'all are paying attention really well tonight. We should pray over every decision that we're faced with. Church, it would do us good to be so dependent upon God that we need to pray before we even decide to brush our teeth. Uh, No one has ever fallen into the problem of being too dependent upon God. Okay? Uh, we We need to be a people of prayer. Let me give you number three tonight. Let me give you number three tonight. Okay? Number three. Achan discovered. Achan discovered. So let's look at Joshua chapter 7, verse 10. It says, And the Lord said unto Joshua, Get thee up. Wherefore liest thou thus upon thy face? He's praying before God. Israel hath sinned. This is what God says to Joshua when Joshua comes to God praying. God says, No, Joshua, neither you nor Israel can move forward until the sin is removed because one of your soldiers has a rubber duck hidden. You got to deal with that. You have cast out my help because I cannot abide in the presence of sin. You see, kids, the reason that Israel was defeated, it, it wasn't because they weren't good at fighting. That's not why they lost. It wasn't because they didn't send enough men. That's not why they lost. They could have sent the whole army. They still would have lost. The reason they were defeated is because God wasn't fighting for them like He did at Jericho. God wasn't fighting for them this time. Remember, The battle is the Lord's. A member of Israel's army had sinned. And in verse 13, God tells Joshua, Up, sanctify thy people. He jumps down in verse 14. In the morning, therefore, ye shall be brought according to your tribes, and it shall be that the tribe which the Lord taketh shall come according to the families thereof. And the families which the Lord taketh shall come by their households. And the households which the Lord shall take shall come man by man. And it shall be that he that is taken with the accursed thing shall be burnt with fire. He and all that he hath, because he hath transgressed the covenant of the Lord and because he hath wrought folly in Israel. So it went something like this, okay? Joshua had the entire nation of Israel... 
He gathered all the people and he said, okay, I need everyone's attention. We have a thief among us. Would you like to confess? Would you like to come forward? No? Okay. I'm going to need to separate out all the 12 tribes. So he separated them out. Section 1, section 2, section 3, section 4. All right, Lord, which one? This one? Okay. Mm. He's one of y'all. Then he said, okay, God, it's the tribe of Judah. All right, I need all you guys to, to get with your families. Which family is it? It's the one who wanted the quiet seat prize. It's that family. So then he got down to a family, okay? He got down to the Zarhites. That was a large group of people within the tribe of Judah. And then he narrowed it down to just a household, okay? Got down to that one. And then he got down to the family of Zabdi. And that was, that was just Achan and his crew that lived in their tent. He said, okay, Lord, who is it? And it got down to Achan. And at that point, that's when Achan said, okay, you got me. I confess, I did it. And Achan turned over his treasure. I'm sure this is what he stole. Um, it's, it's in the Greek. So... There's no Greek in the Old Testament. So um, he, he admitted that he stole it. Indeed, I've taken. So just like Joshua's prayer, Achan's confession, his admission came just a little too late. A little too late. See, really, Achan didn't confess. He got caught. And then Achan gives it excuses of what he did and why he did it. Indeed, I have but here's the thing. We never see any signs of repentance. He never says, I'm sorry. There's no prayer to God. He never offers a sacrifice. There's no plea. There's no lament. There's no nothing. Achan had become okay with his sin. He'd become okay with it. Hey, kids, what are we supposed to do when we sin? How do we make that right? Miss Bristol. Confess what you did. Anybody else? What, what are we supposed to do when we sin? Yes, ma'am. Admit it. Anyone else? Yes, ma'am. Pray before it happens. That's a good answer. That'll keep you from doing it in the first place. Yes, sir, Dominic. Ask God to forgive you. All of you right answers. Y'all are doing great tonight. Ask God to forgive you. Confess it. Admit it. Pray about it. Ask God to forgive you. That's what we're supposed to do when we sin. And you know what? Whenever you become okay with sin and you don't deal with, like, deal with it like that, that's when you're in trouble. You're in trouble when you become okay with sin. Now, I, I want you guys to understand something. Achan didn't just steal any old thing. You see, when they, when they invaded Jericho and they blew the trumpets and the walls fell, God told Joshua and the people of Israel, that the spoils of that battle belonged to him. 
He said, you don't take these things. You don't take the gold, the silver, those garments. They belong to me. And that's what Achan took. Achan took something that belonged to God. That's what made this so much worse. When we look at the scripture, we even see the stages of Achan's sin. Now, adults, I'm going to ask you all to help me out with this, okay? So we look, we look here in, in, in chapter 7. We look, at the, we look at the stages of the sin. All right, you go back, and it says, Achan said, I saw, I saw it, I coveted, I took, we know that one's wrong, and then I hid. So first he saw it, and then he coveted before he took, and then he hid. All right, so I'm asking the adults. Y'all let them figure this one out. Where did the sin start? Was it when he saw? Was it when he coveted? Was it when he took? Where did the sin start? What do you think? When he coveted. We see things every day. You can't control that. You see things all the time. There's no sin in that. The sin starts when we begin to covet. Because what what does the Bible say? It says that we're not to covet. It's one of the Ten Commandments. Achan was looking at the spoils of Jericho. He saw them, and God said, I'll give you the victory in Jericho, but the spoils are to be consecrated as an offering to me. See, covetousness, that's one of those words we don't use nowadays. It's an old Bible word. But covetousness isn't just to desire something like, oh, I like that candy. That's okay. You're not doing anything wrong. Covetousness is, I deserve that candy more than they do, and I should have that and not them. So I think I should take it from them. That's covetousness. Okay? Achan looked at God's offering. Now listen, he saw God's offering. He coveted God's offering. And he said in his heart, I deserve that more than God. It's a very dangerous line of thinking and it's a very slippery slope. And if we're not careful, even though you and I say in our hearts, oh, I would never do that. But would we? We're not our own. We're bought with a price. We belong to Him. Does not our time belong to Him? And that's where it all started. One look. And Achan said, I deserve that. That's where it all started. I want to give you the fourth one. And we're going to begin to wrap things up, guys. The fourth blank tonight. Israel delivered. Israel delivered. So I'm going to go back to those verses we read earlier at the very beginning. Joshua chapter 7, verse 25 and 26. So Joshua approaches Achan and he said, Why? Why hast thou troubled us? The Lord shall trouble thee this day. And all Israel stoned him with stones and burned them with fire. After they had stoned him with stones and they raised over him a great heap of stones unto this day. 
So the Lord turned from the fierceness of his anger, wherefore the name of that place was called the Valley of Achor. It's important to remember that. The Valley of Achor unto this day. Now, again, can you imagine getting in trouble and your whole family being punished for what you did? Not only did Israel, all of Israel, pay a price for this. They were defeated. Men in that battle were killed. But when Achan got caught, it wasn't just Achan that was stoned. It was Achan and his family. Why was Achan's sin deserving of such a punishment? Why his family? Why his children? Well, I'll, I'll tell you, his family was in on it. They did this together. I'll prove it to you. Deuteronomy 24 verse 6 says that children could not be punished because of the sins of their father. God's not going to violate his own law here. All of this trouble was caused because Achan said, I deserve that. That treasure was hidden in the center of their family's tent. You're not going to hide what Achan hid in the center of your family's tent without your family knowing about it. And after they went through everything that they went through and Joshua gathered all the people and gave them a chance to come forward and confess and then separated them by tribes and then by groups and then by families and nobody spoke up. They all did it together. You know what the name Achan means? It literally means troubler or troublemaker. That's what Achan means. Trouble, troubler, troublemaker. And Joshua said, Achan, troubler. Why hast thou troubled us? The Lord shall trouble thee. And the name of that place was called the Valley of Achor. Sounds a lot like Achan, doesn't it? Because the word Achor literally means trouble. That's what it means. That's why it's so important that we pray before we're in trouble. That's why it's so important that we learn how to deal with sin when we're facing trouble. Because the valley of trouble is no place to be. The moment that you hear that whisper in your ear, that's not fair, you deserve that, you're better than them, you better cry out to Jesus for help and flee that voice of trouble because the only place it will land you in is the valley of trouble. Something we used to do in the church uh, that I served in before I came here down in Charlotte is the pastor would get up and say, God is good. And the people would echo back all the time. And then he would say all the time, God is good. Can we try that? Say it with me. God is good. And all the time. I don't think you got it yet. We got to do it one more time. God is good. And all the time. All right, now you sound like you believe it. Joshua 7, verse 26, so the Lord turned from the fierceness of his anger. He turned from the fierceness of his anger. You see, 
You read that. And you read about Achan and his family. And there's a part of us, and we think, man, that's, that's such a tragedy. That's so sad. But you also have to understand that the punishment of Achan was also the deliverance of all of Israel. The same God of love is also a God of wrath. He cannot truly be one without being the other. A God of love must, us, must also stand up against hate and injustice and wrongdoing. That's what a God of love does. He protects. He corrects. I've heard people say things like, Oh, I love the God of the New Testament. It's, it's the God of the Old Testament that I have a problem with. You've heard people say things like that? You can't have one without the other. They are one and the same. They are two sides of the same beautiful and perfect coin. It reminds me of a song that we sing often here at Crossroads by City of Light. Who else could rescue me from my failing? Who else would offer his only son? Who else invites me to call him father? Only a holy God. Come and behold him, the one and the only. Cry out, sing holy, forever a holy God. Come and worship Holy God. As we look at Achan, we see a reflection of ourselves. You know, it's a lot like when you read about David in the Bible. And we get so excited, we read those stories. I mean, it's, it's like reading a comic book. And you want to picture yourself as David. But, but we're not David in those stories. And you read... This passage, and you want to think of yourself as Joshua, but you and I aren't Joshua in this story. As we look at Achan, we see ourselves. Because Achan, he, he was guilty. He stole from God. He deserved God's wrath. He was undeniably guilty and without excuse. And God's wrath had to be appeased for Israel to possess the promised land. They could not move forward until the sin was utterly removed. Blood had to be shed and a sacrifice had to be made. Listen, we have stolen from God's glory. We have. We have broken His commands. We deserve God's wrath. We have set ourselves up as the enemies of God, and we are undeniably guilty without excuse. And God's wrath has to be appeased for you and I to be able to move forward. Blood had to be shed, and a sacrifice had to be made. But praise the Lord. The book of Nahum, chapter 1, verse 7. The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. And He knoweth them that trust in Him. Aren't you glad that the Lord delights 
in faith and obedience tonight. Aren't you glad that he knoweth them that trust in him? I want to show you one more passage of scripture and we're done. I want you to see this beautiful symbolism that we see in the book of Hosea. You don't have to turn there. It's on the screens. But it's in chapter 2, verse 14 through 16. It says, Therefore, I will allure her and bring her into the wilderness and speak comfortably unto her. I will give her her vineyards from thence, from the wilderness. And the, would you look at that? The valley of Achor for a door of hope. The valley of Achor for a door of hope. God's written us a love letter, church. And he will take our wilderness and he'll turn it into a prospering vineyard. God will take our valley of trouble, whatever you're walking through tonight. God will take our valley of trouble and he says, I'll turn it into a door of hope. And in that day, he says, saith the Lord, that thou shalt call me Ishi, and shalt no more call me, call me Bali. Which means in that day, we won't call him just a God, we won't call him just our master. We will call him our love. Our love. I want to challenge you to do something tonight. You still with me? I want to challenge you to do something tonight. And this is for all of us. The next time you find yourself facing trouble, call out to God. Don't wait. Don't hesitate. Stop and pray. Don't try to fix it on your own. Stop and pray immediately. The next time you find yourself facing trouble, stop right there and say, let's pray. Make that your immediate instinct reaction. So number one, call out to God. Number two, learn to close your eyes. When you see and are tempted, make it stop right there. Don't move on to the covetousness. If Achan had refused to allow himself to covet, he never would have taken and his family would have been spared. Don't get caught up in that stuff. Number three, consider the impacts. Our actions have a ripple effect. Consider how your actions will affect those around you. Your friends, your family, your church. Lastly, clean house. Check your tent. Check your tent. See if there's anything buried in there. Confess it. Forsake it. Don't wait until it's too late. Let's bow for prayer tonight. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for your mercy, your grace, and your long-suffering. God, I pray that you would help us to apply these truths from your word tonight. Lord, help us. Our days are long and full of trouble. 
but there's hope. Help us to always turn straight to you. Anytime we just try to fix it ourselves, we always make a mess of things. Help us to learn from this lesson, this example. God, I pray that you'd help us to be a people of prayer. Lord, help us to learn when to close our eyes. Help us to consider the fact that our actions affect those around us. And God, if we need to go home and clean house, bring it to our attention. We love you, Lord. Thank you for meeting with us tonight. Bless these dear children and their families. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.